Chapter thirty eight of Workers Together. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Workers Together or an Endless Chain by Pansy. Chapter thirty eight. Discovered Links. It was several weeks afterwards. Joy Saunders, standing in the door of a Vale Street store, had just signaled her car when Dr. Everett's horses came to a sudden halt. Will not this do as well as the car? the doctor asked, and Joy, satisfied, was soon seated at his side. I did not expect to see you in this vicinity, she said. It must be later than I thought. Has the train gone, and is everything right? It is gone, and everything is right, more right than that poor fellow had any idea things with him would ever be. I am glad he is alone, with time to rest and think matters over calmly. It has been a wonderful afternoon, Joy, a succession of surprises to all parties concerned. I said not a word to Briggs about the plans until this morning. I decided that he needed a night's rest, and would not get it if he went to planning about home so Robert packed his trunk after he was asleep. Then I called this morning, according to appointment, to take him around to the store. While we were away, Robert had his trunk sent to the station. On the drive down, I asked him about the different bills, his landladies and the meat bill and so forth. Cheery conversation, wasn't it, for a sick young fellow? But I wanted to see if he really knew where he stood, and I found that he had every penny carefully added. It was considerably less than we had supposed. At the store, Mr. Cady was waiting for him in the office. Then began my surprise. The plan was, you know, that Mr. Cady should pay him the salary which he supposed he lost through sickness, and give him a month's leave of absence, and I should assume his debts, he to pay me when he could. But what did Mr. Cady do but present him with a check which covered the whole amount, and more, too? Then he told him of the plan of going home. Fred bore up bravely until then. But when he took in the fact that his salary was continued, his debts were paid, and that he was actually to start for home today, he gave up and cried outright. I was really afraid that it would be too much excitement for him. I couldn't half enjoy the thing, because of my anxiety as to how he would bear it. Mr. Cady was a good deal melted, too, very much astonished to discover that so small a sum of money could produce such abounding gratitude. I believe one reason why rich men treat themselves to so few luxuries of this kind is that they have no idea what fruit they produce. I do it for your father's sake, young man, he said to Fred, and then I was afraid he was going to take that inopportune time to read the poor fellow a lecture about not having deserved things for his own sake, but he didn't. After a moment's pause he added, and for my father's sake, because I want to honor him with my money, and he has put it into my heart to spend a little of it in this way. That melted Fred right down. It is really the most unanswerable argument that could have been presented. A year of talking could not have done for him what that one sentence did, with the practical object lesson accompanying, lying open in Fred's hand. On the whole, we had an interesting time. I took Briggs back home and made him lie down, and the landlady was paid, and really served a nice dinner for him, and hoped he would have a good visit and come back to her, 
which he never will. By the way, young Reed is interested in working up a boarding-house downtown, somewhat after the pattern of your mother's, on a simpler scale. I hope all those young men can be gotten into it. Well, at the appointed time we went to the train, and, behold, there was Mr. Cady. He led the way into a palace car, and after the bewildered fellow was seated, he handed him an envelope containing a through ticket. Sleeping car, palace car, everything complete. I must say that Katie has exceeded my expectations. He waited for me outside, and rode up town with me, and I told him that he had done more today for Fred Briggs's salvation than he ever had before. He was all melted down. That is saying nothing at all, doctor, said he. I never did anything for him, nor for any of them, but I mean to. I'm waking up to my privileges. I never knew until today that it was more blessed to give than to receive. How things are intertwined, Joy! Mr. Cady's clerks are really educating him. And Fred, as he shook my hand for good-bye, said, Doctor, I want to take back what I said about him the other night, meaning Mr. Cady. I do believe in his religion. And now, Joy, here comes your part. Tell Miss Joy I have the marked verses, and I will put my trust in them. Thank the Lord, said Joy softly. When they had calmed down a little from the excitement of this story, Joy said, I have had a wonderful afternoon, too, and made some discoveries. I have been talking with Hester Mason. Do you know, doctor, I think she is a Christian? I believe the question was decided several weeks ago. She is a strange girl, you know, never does anything like anybody else, and she seemed to have an idea that she must test her experience to find whether it was genuine before she owned to it. Now I'm going to surprise you about another thing. I think she has been a real help to Robert Parks. No, said the doctor, that doesn't surprise me. I have surmised the same thing from what he has told me. In fact, at the very time when I was trying to break her influence over him, she was the only one who had exerted any successfully for good. I am beginning to see that the Lord has ways we know not of. He has led Hester by strange ways, certainly. Do you know anything of a Professor Ellis who teaches music in the city? A little, the doctor said quietly. Is he a bad man? I have every reason to think that he is. Well, I should think so from Hester's story. He has been paying her special attention, and while I don't think she really cared for him, his attentions were marked and flattering. He led her on insensibly, I think, until that pretty Grace Dennis, who was Mrs. Roberts' guest for so long, came to the rescue. Hester's rendering of their interview is this. She proved to me three things, that he was a villain, and I was a fool, and she was a grand Christian girl. I've thought better of religion ever since. There were some things about her which made me feel that I really wanted to be a Christian woman myself, and do things for others that I knew I could do. She doesn't know how Grace Dennis came to know anything about her, hasn't the least idea. But she believes, she says, that the Lord sent her just at that time and in that way, because there are reasons why no other time and way would have done any good. I don't doubt it in the least. 
Dr. Everett said heartily. The Lord knows the end from the beginning, and nothing is surer than that he uses his children to carry out his plans. He kept his own counsel as to his being one of the means used. To a man of Dr. Everett's refined nature, this was too much a part of another's secret to be revealed, even to Joy Saunders, when there was no need. I'll tell you now what I really wish, said Joy, speaking with a deliberate impressiveness, calculated to make one feel that the subject was weighty and her decision surprising. I wish Robert was deeply interested in Hester, and that he would marry her. I do believe that they are intended for each other. She has just the qualities that he needs, and he can mold her in just the lines along which she needs helping. The doctor laughed gaily. I shall not differ from you in the tremendous way that you evidently expect, he said. And moreover, I have to confess that I believe just that result will be accomplished, even whether we approve or not. Of course, the wisest thing for us is to approve, and although once I did not think I should, I find I do. After that he drove very rapidly, until they had left the noisy city in the distance, and the twilight was falling. Then he reined in his horses, obliging them to walk when they wanted to run, and again opened conversation. Joy, I have made another discovery today. What is it? asked Joy, with the delightfully eager air of one who is sure she is going to sympathize heartily, and is ready to help in whatever direction needed. Perhaps I ought not to say that I made the discovery today. In point of fact, I made it long ago. But it presses on me today with such a firm conviction that I am right, and that the question should be settled, that I want to submit it to you. I discover that you and I, at work for the same master, in almost the same channels, can do better, happier, stronger work together than apart, and that he intends us to join hands, as I believe, and be one in life. I shall have to own that so far as heart is concerned, I have felt one with you so long, that I should not know how to think apart from you to all of which Joy Saunders, usually so prompt to respond, made not the slightest answer, whereat the doctor seemed in no sense discomfited. Mrs. Saunders, he said, arresting that good woman with prompt speech. It was an hour later, and she was on her way up the stairs. She had always to be waylaid on her way to somewhere, for her life knew little rest. She was burdened with an armful of clean linen, she was apt to make all her steps tell toward the accomplishment of the hundreds of little things that were always doing and never done. Mrs. Saunders, just a moment. I have something to tell you. This is a day of discoveries. I have made one which directly concerns you. I discover that I cannot get along any longer without your joy. You have shared with me for many a day, but I want the right to claim her. I should so like to give you a picture of Mrs. Saunders's face as she stood there, with her pile of clean towels on her arm. Dear, she said, after a moment of not exactly bewildered silence. The expression of her face was rather that of one who had been expecting a calamity that now had come. Dear, I suppose it has got to be somebody, and if it has, I would rather it would be you, doctor, than anybody else in the world. 
So would I, said Dr. Everett with great heartiness. End of chapter 38 Recording by Tricia G. End of Workers Together or an Endless Chain by Pansy